And all right, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Bullpen Blues. As always, I'm your co-host, Kevin Dixon, joined by our good buddy, David Esser. David, how we doing? Oh, man, I hate him. Oh, they're the worst, dude. I can't stand them. I can't stand them. Uh, well, first of all, good morning, Kevin. Um, thanks, thanks to everyone for tuning in. We do appreciate it. It is August 31st. Philly's coming off a productive few dates. Couple, think, couple I wins. Think, I think this is the last push, dude. We were, uh, we were, another. we were talking about it, you know, before we jumped on, and and this is quite the turnaround from a week ago when I think everybody collectively felt the Phillies were dead. I wrote an article, uh, you know, for sports casting saying Phillies are dead. <laughs> They're done. You know, they they had shut Hoskins down. They had shut Eflin down. Um, it looked like they were completely dead. And, and a couple of days later, granted, still three and a half games out, which is not great, but they are they're quietly there. climbing their way back into the division conversation and the wild card conversation. Kevin, like it, it's going to be an entertaining month of September. Let's hope so. Let's hope so, David, because I'm not trying to have them, you know, I am trying to have them sweep here against Washington. Um, but I don't need another situation where we pull within a game and then they pull with major Phillies and then they drop five of seven. Like, and then, you know what? Like, it feels inevitable, does it not? <laughs> like, it ha- it's happened every single time they've made a run this year that they, they trip and fall. So even completely deplete it now because they don't have Hoskins or Zach Eflin, uh, Didi Gregorius on paternity leave. Um, they're missing, you know, the best backup catcher in baseball, Andrew Knapp. Say that with uh, a sarcastic grin. Yeah, he's, he's, joking. Watching, he's joking. You're not watching here on YouTube. Uh, man, I, I want them to make a run, Dave. I do. Yeah, I'm very timid with it because I've seen how this plays out before. But I, I obviously want them to keep winning. I mean, dude, like, think of where we could be now if they just – Beat Arizona. They took care of their own business in, when they were in Arizona and then in game one of the series the other night. I mean, come on, man. But they're there. They're right back in it. They have an easy schedule this this week. I know that doesn't mean much when you're talking about the Phillies, but we've won four straight. Braves are out playing the Dodgers. So if there was ever a time to make your move, it would be right now. Yeah, and, you know, kind of circling back to – you know, we, we've seen this the last three years where this team uh, comes around. Ago. Yeah, a couple weeks ago. You know, they they get to this stage in the season and they collapse. Um, and I, look, I can't make any guarantees this year is going to be different. Um, in fact, I lean towards them finding a way to, to claw back into it and then bottle it at the end. But I, I think what's different about this year is, Kevin, this is the best Bryce Harper has looked since 2015. Um, I have never seen this man more determined to get his team into the postseason, whether it's offensively, whether it's defensively, whether it's his base running. I mean, he tagged up the other night going from second to third on like a pop-up to center field, and he just went for it. Um, You know, he was laying down sacrifice bunts, which I typically don't like him doing. Wasn't a fan, but it worked. But it's showcasing. He's not here for the numbers. He's not just trying to hit home runs. He doesn't care about his stats. He just wants to win. Um, And, you know, he talked – last night um, about hitting in Nats Park because his numbers since, you know, whenever he goes back there are are exceptional. And he said he feels like 
at the moment that whenever he steps into the batter's box, he's the best player in the world. And Kevin, the funny part is he's not incorrect. Um, yep. He has the best OPS in baseball. He's he's has a top ten batting average, batting over three hundred. Uh, you know the power numbers are returning. His home run total. He's going to hit thirty plus home runs again this year. Uh, it's all clicking for him. It looks effortless. Kevin, it's rare for baseball players to be able to carry a team because there's so much that goes into winning a baseball game, but he's, he's doing it right now. Yeah. I mean, his month of August was probably his best month since putting on a Phillies uniform. The Phillies so far this month, they do have one more game tonight, but they're 16 and 11 on the month. And it's a lot of it has to do with Bryce Harper. Who's hitting 323 this month. OPS over. Uh, he has 10 homers, 10 doubles, a triple. Maybe he has nine singles. Dave. Uh, he's only struck out 21 times. And he has 21 walks. So his strikeout to walk ratio is fantastic. He's carrying them. And let's be real, he has to carry them because most nights, Didi Gregorius is hitting behind him or Andrew McCutcheon, who can't hit right handed pitching. I looked at his splits like two days ago. He's under 200 against righties and he's over 300 against lefties. That's, that's an issue. Um, so, like, that's the protection that Bryce Harper has behind him right now. I don't understand why teams are pitching to him, David. I really don't. Even when there's guys on base, go after the guy behind him. It's common sense. Uh, you know, if McCutcheon beats you against a right-hander, he beats you. Uh, I would take my chances against him. But, hey, I'm all for it, you know, if teams want to keep pitching to Bryce Harper because, you know, when they hand out a $330 million contract, which me and you have done a really good job of not focusing on the main number because ultimately the number that matters is what he makes per year, his annual average. But when you hand out $330 million and like casual baseball fans see that number and they're like, oh, you know, he's not hitting 300 He's not doing this. Well, guess what? This is who they paid for when you gave out $330 million. He's hitting over 300 His power is there. His RBI numbers are going up, David. He's probably going to get over 80 which didn't look possible a couple months ago. I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but it is a lot when you really dig into the numbers. Uh, he's top five player on the planet right now. And coming into the year, he was probably top 20. He's ascended to that top tier now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think the small victory, the Phillies and Phillies fans that can kind of take from this season, even if they don't miss the playoffs, is I think we finally got to the point where the narrative on Bryce has flipped back around. And it's been a long time coming. Uh, there was a point where he was – <laughs> like the most hated. I remember they ran that stupid poll a few years back where it's like, who's the most hated player in baseball? And it was Bryce Harper. For no reason at all either because he's a great dude. <laughs> yeah, just, just because he just because he like would do a bat flip and you're like, ah, we hate him, which is crazy yeah. because the league encourages it these days. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think he's finally flipped the switch where not only have people realized that he, he's, a, he's a very good person, like a family man and a dad and appears to be a good husband, um, but he's – he is genuinely a generational talent. We're never going to see a player like him ever again. It's awesome to have him in Philly. It's great that he's getting MVP conversation. If the Phillies can somehow win the division, I think he will secure the MVP. Um, it's just a matter of you know the rest of the team <laughs> getting him there because he, he's done his part. Even if he has a slow month of September, Kevin, he's done his part. He's kept him in it. Uh, he's gotten him back in it. Uh, it's Again, at the very minimum, at least – we can watch these last couple of games and say, dang, that's the best player in the world right now. And we get to watch him in the Phillies uniform. Yeah. I mean, and you know, it just looks like it's like slow motion for him when he's up there. Like the ball's a beach ball. 
Uh, it's taking, you know, taking its time getting to the plate. He has all the time in the world to get set. He's a lot of fun to watch, man. And uh, something I've been saying for the last few years, and I'm sure this is a stat somewhere, uh, but I wouldn't, I, I don't have it. You seem to be really good with really digging up the obscure numbers. So maybe if you could locate it at some point, he has to lead baseball in hustle doubles. <clears throat> Excuse me. In the last two years, hustle doubles is in like, it looks like it's just going to be a single off the bat and he's standing on second base. There's got to be some type of way that they track that. I would think he has to be number one in that category. The guy plays with his hair on fire. Uh, he made a play on the homestand. Uh, I forget who they were playing. They was the Rays, and then they ended up losing the game. It was in the ninth. Wheeler's Wheeler's start against the uh, the Rays. Yandy Diaz hit a bullet off the right field wall. Bryce Harper barehanded it and held him at first base. Granted, the runner came around the score anyway because you know Joe Girardi for some reason ran Wheeler into the ground. And he gave a three run homer in the ninth. But you know that's neither here nor there. Bryce Harper made a fantastic play on the ball. It's just even like the little things like that. His base running is elite, as you mentioned. He does everything well. Like it's really hard to find a hole in his game right now. I quickly scoured the internet to see if I could find a hustle double stat. Um, I couldn't with ease, but I'm sure it is out there somewhere. He's got to be at the top, man. Like it, it, there's so many times where even like it's like a ground ball, it's a little bit to the left or right of the center fielder, and he's flying in the second base. He does it a lot. Absolutely, and it's again, it's just another aspect of his game that it's kind of showcasing his desire to win right now. That's not something a player who's, who's forfeited the season is going to be doing. Um, I kind of wanted to switch gears. You brought up Zach Wheeler and kind of Joe Girardi, and this wasn't something we had on our notes, but it's something I want to pivot to because we kind of saw it again last night. Kevin, Joe Girardi clearly has a plan that he's going to ride his starters mm -hmm. pretty aggressively this last month, which I think there's pros and cons to such a plan. I think, we are in agreement for the most part with the state of the bullpen and how that's worked and, you know, kind of the talent you have in, in a Wheeler and a Nola and an Eflin that it's okay to ride some of these guys. But I think we're starting to see some serious fatigue, specifically with Zach Wheeler. Um, I believe he still leads baseball in innings pitched. I know he did heading into last night's game. Uh, they pushed him hard again last night, you know, got him through six when he probably only had five in him. Ended up being a good decision last night, but we've seen it blow up in the past. Kevin, to what extent should Girardi, should the Phillies be kind of operating with this idea of every starter has to give them six to seven innings every time they pitch? Well, in terms of Wheeler, uh, since July 7th, his ERA is 4.59, and since – he threw the complete game shutout against the Mets on the eighth. So pretty much coinciding with the recent struggles of the Phils. It's 6-4-1 ERA. Uh, it's tough, man, because I get it. He is, he's got to be tired. He's thrown 182 innings already. It's only August. Um, he's probably going to push 220, you know, 225 this year, which is, that's a, that's a workload in today's game. You, know, you don't really see guys push towards that number. Um, I know we're probably going to have some older listeners saying, you know, this guy used to throw 280 innings and this guy used to throw 300 innings. And I get that, you know, but it's just different. It's just a different game. These guys aren't built up to that. However, I've seen I saw people on Twitter last night saying they need to really pull the reins back with Wheeler. Um, 
take it easy. You know, he, he's going to, he's tired. They need to, they need to, you know, get him some rest. Do you want to make the playoffs? <laughs> you know, like, it's like, that's the fine line you're walking here. You you can't really afford the rest. Like this is a pennant race. Like they need him out there. So I think the biggest thing is I said to you last night, the offense just needs to score runs for him so he can have easy outings and he doesn't have to have these stressful situations. Uh, granted, he did have some stressful ones last night, even with the offense scoring, but he buckled down. If he can give you that and the offense can keep scoring, we'll take it. But the nonsense of they need to shut him down, uh, they need to you know pull the reins back. He's he's tired, you know. Like I'm sure he is tired, but look, they got all all season to, to rest up, man. Like we we need our guys. These list last month, this is it. This is the home stretch. We got one month to go, so we we need everyone to you know be going full board it, it sucks but it is what it is yeah i think that's a fair argument and i want to clarify i wasn't suggesting that they shut him down or or pull back like he's no, no, not you no, not you i saw a lot of it on twitter last night okay. though like you know they got to pull it back he you know they're running them into the ground and it's kind of like look man like they're trying to make the postseason right now like this is what happens um but you threw Why up paying his- them 23 million dollars a year Correct, and and I think Wheeler wants to be out there too. That would be my guess that he he, he wants to pitch nine innings every day. Um, and and you threw up his kind of his ERA over his last couple of starts, and I don't have the numbers pulled up, but I saw on Twitter the other night that it's predominantly from runs allowed after the seventh inning, where For sure. innings um, one he, through six he's cruising, and then as he gets deeper into the games, you start to see that fatigue creep up. He did it back to back outings in Arizona and uh, and t- and against Tampa Bay, both of. Both situations, he gave up a lot of runs later in the game. Mm-hmm. Which again, it's expected. Like, like I, I just double checked; he's still leading baseball in innings pitched. He's going to cruise well over two hundred. Um, he'll set a career high. He'll probably still lead all of baseball in it because they might start pitching him on short rest as they get real deep into the season. And, that, and that's what happens, man. That's and that's why when people are saying they got to shut him down, it's like in reality, get late in the year, they're probably going to throw him on three or four days rest. So yeah, so. You know, I think we're in agreement. Look, as long as he's healthy, as long as the fastball velo's up, yeah. keep pitching him. Uh, we need him, dude. Yeah, we need you. You know, let's <laughs> one game at a time in reality. Uh, you know, again, hopefully they can get some length out of Gibson, who's been a godsend these last couple of starts. Um, and then hopefully Nola can. And Ranger Suarez. And Ranger Suarez, who's, who's yeah, again, another guy we didn't have on our notes. But he, I, I, I got a kind of a. You know, eat crow on this one. I didn't think it would work. I didn't think moving a guy from the closer position <laughs> to the starting rotation yeah, midseason was going to work. But uh, this is he looks good. Yeah, looks this good. this is a big dub for Ranger. This is a big dub for the Phillies, and I think it's this is a good segue into our next topic. It's a big dub for the Phillies player development staff. Yeah, um, and kind of where we wanted to go. They've been with underratedly this. good with some arms. They have. Yeah, um, they're starting to figure things out, and this has to. Primarily do with the investment they made in driveline. Uh, like two years ago, they hired a bunch of dudes out of driveline baseball. With if you're not familiar, it's just kind of a I don't know how to describe it, but an analytic backed pitching development um, organization that spends a lot of time working with spin rate and arm slot. Um, you know, kind of developing you're releasing the ball. I'm gonna spin your hitting on it just to simplify it. Yeah, the the little things that pitchers didn't have you know, at their disposable, at their disposal 10 years ago, whereas now they're able to look at the numbers and say, all right, this is working and this is not working. The Phillies made that investment 
And Kevin, a player it's it's worked really well with alongside uh, Ranger Suarez is JD Hammer, yep. who in 2019 things weren't looking too hot. Uh, making his MLB debut, he had an expected ERA of 6.76. It was first handful of starts. Um, they sent him away for 2020. He didn't pitch. He's back up in 2021. Kevin, his expected ERA has dropped down to 2.82. Um, and most notably, it is his slider that they have completely overhauled. Uh, the expected, ba- or, I'm sorry, the batting average on his slider is 154 this season. The slugging is one, also 154. The exit velocity is well under 90. The spin rate is up north of 2,500, which is over 100. I don't know how they over 100 spins higher than it was in 2019. His whiff percentage is 6% higher. His put-away percentage is 6% higher. They sat him down and they said, look, you got a nice fastball. You can throw hard. We're taking this slider. We're making it a wipeout pitch. Looking at the numbers, that's exactly what they did. Yeah, and you know, uh, we talked about it before we – sorry, it's not my foot there. We, we talked about it before we came on. Uh just like a cool thing, like if they do get in, like he's going to be a rock star if he's getting big outs for them because people are going to fall in love with his look. Uh, he's going to be a very uh, marketable type of dude. Um, but that aside, he's been he's been a godsend, man. He's been awesome. And uh, you mentioned, you know, this this new you know way of developing their young arms. Like Ranger Suarez is a great example. J.D. Hammer. How about Eniel De Los Santos, David? Who seem everyone seems to hate. And I've been, you know, I've kind of turned the corner on him recently. I'm trying to to get the uh, the idea of he might have a future. I'm trying to get that pushed forward. You know, I got his savant numbers up here, uh, and it's just like it's just like Hammer. Uh, I, I can't necessarily read the pitching as well as you can, but I can tell you this: his expected ERA is 4.11, which is down four runs from 2019. Uh, his strikeout percentage is up to 31%. And that's the biggest thing for me is his strikeout percentage. Um, people, I'm not saying he's, he's a, he's a finished product, but there's something there. Like you don't just miss bats like that. Like you have to be doing something right to be missing bats. And he's averaging, uh, I believe it's 13 strikeouts per nine since July 27th. His ERA is one five, nine and his batting average against is one ninety five. Granted he's allowed some inherited runners to score. But he's another example of the driveline uh, thought process, you know, having a positive impact on somebody's arms in the Philly system that have potential, but with the previous regime just, you know, weren't really reaching it. Um, they're littered with guys like this, David. Um, and we just gave you three that are on the big league roster now that are great examples. There's probably, you know, a dozen more in the minor leagues that are seeing, you know, their spin rates go up, their strikeout percentage. Uh, you know, their expected ERA, expected batting average going down. I, I don't know if I mentioned that as well, but De Los Santos expected batting average against is only 223. So, like, that's pretty good. You know, like, uh, what his actual numbers are don't reflect on, you know, what basically analytically what, what he has been able to produce and what it could mean going forward. So he's right in there with those guys. He's not as polished as Hammer, but he's another one of those guys that's from the driveline thought process. Yeah, no, it's a really good point. We've talked about Enyel on this show before. Um, he actually had a, a fairly good outing the other night against the Diamondbacks in extra innings. Um, I can't believe he stayed in. Joe, Joe stuck with him there. 
And I was thinking, when it happened, me and Kevin were dumbfounded. We're like, what are we doing with Enya? I like like this dude. I can't believe he's in the game, though. (laughs) I look back on it, and I think this was a decision that, because I've seen them do this with Alvarado before, where it's like, all right, who on our roster has the best chance of just striking out the side? Um, And right now, it's it's probably Enya. Um, Maybe Hector first. Um, I'd be very upset if they decided to let him go or something, if they DFA'd him. I I think he was first. I think there's something there uh, even if he's in the minors i think there's there is potential there I, and i agree he's probably you know similar to hammer in 2019 and he was probably a full year away from really being a plus piece but he, he's a piece and again i think you kind of take this younger prospect who has good peripheral numbers uh very similar to hammer uh and has has a fastball velocity you know well in the the positive percentile range looking at the rest of baseball it's in the 74th percentile which is very good for someone his age um you know you take these raw prospects like a ranger like a jd hammer like an Eniel de los santos and hopefully this starts translating over to some of the hitting prospects as well um you take these guys uh, uh, hans kraus who they acquired in the spencer Howard trade and you say all right Here's what you do well. Let's get better at that. Here's what we need to work on. Let's get better at that. And then when you get to the when you get to the major leagues, do what you do well. Get out, and then we'll continue to develop everything else on the side. Which again, I think Hammer's a good example of them saying you have a good fastball, you have a good slider, <laughs> throw yeah. those pitches. Um, and that's kind of really what Driveline emphasizes, and that's what it appears the Phillies, uh, you know, PD staff is starting to emphasize. Which, and I hate, I hate to hype up the Phillies player development because it's, it's been atrocious the last Yeah, but you, you got to tip your cap though. When, when they do something right, you know, like if we're going to bash them for all their miscues, you got to acknowledge when they seem to be making progress. So I agree with you, man. Like I'm encouraged with you know what's going on here uh, with some of these young arms and we can get Jojo Romero back in the future. I would like to see, you know, if they have any pos- positive impact on him. Sir Anthony Dominguez is another guy. Would love to get him back, see, you know, how he's progressed since coming back from his injury. There's a, you know, we talked about it even before the Phillies made the moves at the deadline of, it's probably not a complete bullpen, but, like, there are potentially good arms in it. Like, the bullpen is nowhere near what they had in 2020. They definitely have struggled, but, like, there are upside arms in that bullpen. Like, it's basically 2020 was just littered with guys who won't, probably aren't even in the big leagues or on major league rosters right now. Uh, and this year's team has a bunch of guys that would be used on other clubs. I still can't believe how bad the 2020 bullpen was. I mean, half of those guys aren't even in the bigs. I know the Guerra has been okay in Oakland somehow, but who was <laughs> the, the Kelly? Was it Trevor Kelly? He's Something awful. Like oh, man. There was so... <laughs> I don't want to. All right, yeah, moving on. It was, um, it was awful. They had so many bad arms, dude. Getting PTSD from that season. Um, yeah. You know, kind of keep it on on the train of young players coming up through the Philly system. Uh, Rafael Marchand, oh, kid is good. Ooh. Um, Kevin, he's twenty two. He's he's yeah. my age, and he's out there being an impact player uh, on a major league ball club. He's a billion. I tweeted this out. He's a billion times better than Andrew Knapp defensively. Offensively, um, I think he calls just as good of a game. His his last two starts catching, he's looked very comfortable out there. Um, had a few uh, miscues here and there with Wheeler, but I thought he caught Ranger Suarez incredibly well. Um, made a really stunning defensive play late in the game last night where it was kind of a swinging bunt from Juan Soto. Marshawn 
scooped it up in a, in a millisecond and threw a laser to second base. It very easily could have been a double play. Um, if they don't trade Marshawn in the offseason, which they still might because there's value there, um, I'd feel very comfortable with him being the Phillies' backup catcher. I would love to, and we've talked about it off the air, and, I'm, and you know it's been happening right now with Napa Way, but if they're going to run JT at first, I'm all for playing Marshawn a couple times a week. Because not only is it it's helping him gain experience, you're saving JT's body as well, and you're showcasing him. Like if you want to look to move him and, and you want to try to get a premium player back for him, show what he can do in the big leagues. And plays like last night in the ninth inning when he made, like you said, fantastic play. Great awareness also by the, I don't know what mid, middle infielder it was. I want to say probably Gene. Great job covering on that play because that, like you said, that happened in a split second. So it was just really good baseball IQ all around. And, uh, man, he can play some defense. And, look, it sucks because he's 22. You don't really want a 22-year-old to be a backup catcher. I mean, it's, I think we can agree on that. But they have potentially the worst catcher in on a major league roster on their team in Andrew Knapp, um, who, by the way, I did want to I I did want to highlight it to you. I might have um, OPS plus Andrew Knapp is nineteen. Hundred is the league average. He's nineteen. So he's eighty one percent worse than the league average player. Uh, I hope that's enough that the Phillies will be like, okay, we're just gonna play Marshawn. <laughs> if we gotta play him every day, we're just gonna play Marshawn. Yeah, naps, naps, not good. Um, I, I definitely agree. Uh, you know, kind of with all the points where you know it's it's a bit of a waste of value to make a rising twenty two year old your backup catcher. Um, so I wouldn't be opposed to them moving Marshawn in the offseason. I know they talked about it at the trade deadline, but ultimately I'm I'm pretty glad they didn't move him because at the time yeah. I want to say they were talking about moving him for Richard Rodriguez, which now that we've seen that Marshawn's MLB ready, um, at least through his first couple of appearances, that would have been selling low on Marshawn. So now we can, again, showcase him. Hopefully he has a good September. And then you get to the offseason if you want to trade him. Uh, his value is probably a lot higher than just a reliever. So, yeah. I, again, look, he's got another month to go in the big leagues. Hopefully he continues to get everyday reps. But uh, early signs, definitely promising with, uh, with Marshawn. He can swing it a little bit too, man. I, and I know Naps is a switch hitter as well. But Marshawn is a switch hitter. He just, I don't know, he looks comfortable with the plate. I mean, he gives you competitive at-bats. I think the yeah. biggest problem with Knapp is you have a guy on third base, nobody out. Knapp can't get the run in. You just can't yeah. do it. Um, we've seen Marshawn twice have uh, RBI ground outs, I believe. Like, it's competitive. He's got a little bit of yeah. pop to him. Like, there's something there where I think he's a little bit. Yeah, like, he, he's an athlete. He's, he, I just think it, the biggest thing is just the competitiveness. I don't need the backup catcher. To hit 300 and give you 20 bombs, but if there's a guy on third, nobody else, you gotta get the run home. And Nap yeah. has just been complete, it's been a black hole in the lineup. Uh, in situations he's striking like, out like 50% of the time, it's horrible. He's not it playing might the ball be a little play. bit less, but it's it's pretty significant. So, at least Marshawn, he's looking to get a bat on the ball, he's looking to do a job. He, he doesn't care about his numbers, he's not at that point. Uh, you know, he's not goofing off in the clubhouse like you see with Nap sometimes, he's just out there to do a job. Um, he's fighting. I'd love to see the Phillies call up some more young players who have that kind of same fight in them. Um, I don't think they're going to do it. They seem they seem to love yeah. Jorge Bonifacio. <laughs> um, but, you know, just kind of that 
love that mentality from Marshawn these last couple of games, and, and I'm just hoping it continues. Well, they expand in um, tomorrow. Rosters expand by two. So it'll be interesting to see who the Phillies do go to. I do have it up on the screen here. David, they're three back in the National League wild card, and they're three and a half back in the National League East. So they're certainly back in it. We have a whole month to go, but I can understand if people are are tepid to to get fully back invested in this team. Uh, but they're there, and it's pretty remarkable they're in the wild card race. Um, just like quick, uh, I had someone mention to me recently that they did enjoy when we did when we did this on our show. Um, so it just happened to also be San Diego last time, but just want to mention basically their approach, David. They've gone all in with this roster. This is why I was really like kind of like, man, they're giving away everything. They're trying to do anything they can to get these big names on the roster. It's not really working, David. I mean, they, they are sputtering right now. They're they're not in the – I don't think they're in the wild card lead. I think they might be a half game back now. I think they gained a game, a game last night. But, look, they, they went all in in San Diego. And, like, there's a lot of people that want the Phillies to do that. Just take a look at what San Diego is doing right now. Um, they went all in for – well, they gave Machado a bag. They went all in for Musgrove. They went all in for um, Austin Nola, and uh, who the hell else came back in that trade? I can't even think of who it was. I know they picked uh, Mitch Moreland was part of that deadline. Ensemble. Yeah, just like in general, like I'm just talking even like in the last two years, like they've dealt an astonishingly large amount of their top prospects. They tried to get Scherzer again this year too. Like they've been doing everything they can, and I, I fully can I can support that. But like this is the – the issue you run into is like, look, they still do have a ton of very good players on their roster, but like they thinned out their farm system in a division that has the Los Angeles Dodgers. And now the San Francisco Giants are somehow dominating baseball as well. San Diego did all that and they might not even get back in last year. And they were the toast of baseball last year. It's just, it's just interesting that they took the approach of like, we got Machado, we got Tatis. Anything we can to help this team, let's do it. They did it with Blake Snell as well. You Darvish, another one that they brought in. Uh, it's just crazy. And and now they are, uh, they're not even in the playoffs as of right now. So it's just interesting when you look at the different approaches that teams have. And San Diego, like, went balls to the wall, all in. And they're, like, in the same spot the Phillies are in. So it's just interesting when you, when you look at it like that. And baseball is a funny sport. Um, no, I mean, you're 100% correct. Um, you know, and we, we flipped a lot back and forth between how the Phillies should approach their roster. And I think San Diego is a good warning sign. And I, I think part of it is they're very injured. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, lost. they're still a good team. I'm not saying that at all. Like, they're, they're still very talented. It's just, you know, they're out of the playoff race. Or not out of the race, but they're out of the picture right now. Yeah, I mean, the standings are the standings. And then yeah. you look at a team like Tampa Bay, who's <laughs> their big acquisition was Nelson Cruz, and they're they're, they're flying up the standings. Um I, I think it is so, man, because like if the Phillies could have gotten Nelson Cruz and like it could have worked, like they had a DH, like that's a move that you make. But like, there's no room on a National League roster for a yeah. guy like Nelson Cruz. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Although Tampa Bay, they goofing off playing him at first Nothing. base. They don't care. Um, that's what Tampa Bay does. But yeah, no, I, I think it is. It is a good point that uh, you know, and as we as we have seen with players like Andrew McCutcheon and Jake Arrieta and Dave Robertson. Very rarely are, are, are seasons one in free agency. Almost never. 
Um, it's about developing. It's about swinging the right moves via the trade market. Um, so I, I think that is a good warning sign heading into this next offseason that the Phillies aren't going to win the World Series by just throwing $300 million at Carlos Correa. We both want Carlos Correa. We love Carlos Correa. We want him on the team. Um, but that that's not how the Phillies are going to turn this thing around. And the same goes for a team like San Diego. That they're not going to win the World Series next year by throwing another $200 million at their payroll. It, yeah. There's finer aspects that go into to building a, a ball club. No, and, and like the, the better organizations are – like you use Tampa Bay. They don't have any payroll. It's It's all about – filling out the margins of the roster because for the most part the good teams they all have a big name player you know they all have great guys that are top 30 players in the league when you when you're on a playoff contender but like you look at the Dodgers 40 man look at the Rays 40 man um you got even the Giants now but they're just pushing the right buttons but like you look at those teams 40 man rosters and then like you look at the Phillies uh you look at the Mets even the Braves, even though they've made a nice push here, they have. They've cooled off a little bit. They've made a nice push. Like, it's it doesn't compare, is basically what I'm trying to say. Like, how deep those other teams are. Like, that's where the real true value is. And that's how the Phillies won in 2008 by bringing in a guy like Jason Worth, who was a buy low, high upside move that worked. Um, you know, the Matt Stairs, the acquisition, he played his role. Um, you can just look around, like, the Phillies need to, you know, obviously they need to get another big bat. Um, they need rotation depth. Uh, they love a leadoff hitter as well. But, like, filling out the margins is the biggest thing, I think, for this team. Getting guys who, if you need to play them, they can help you. Yeah, and I don't want to get too too deep into the, the rabbit hole that is the offseason. But I had someone message me on Twitter the other day. Um asking what I thought the Phillies should do in the offseason. I was like, brother, that's a loaded question. I need them yeah. to make about 65 moves um, if they want to do that. Because, like, just filling out that 40, man, is so important. Because, yeah. you know, like, all around – whenever the Dodgers remove someone from their 40, man, they get claimed because they have so much talent in their organization. Yeah, It's just an abundance of pitching talent and hitting talent and, and defensive substitutions and the Phillies, like I don't like we're sitting here talking about who the Phillies are going to call up in September. Kevin, I don't really know because it's not. Yeah. It's not like they're maybe just Verling. Maybe Verling, I would think, would be an option. I would assume they bring an outfielder up. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know what Mickey Moniak's status is, or I don't know what Adam Hazley's status is, but the, the, I mean, there's uh, you you assume they bring up an outfielder, but but the point is like the Dodgers, it's it's like that. They got players ready yeah. to come up and contribute. The the Giants. The Rays, um, you know, even a team like Oakland, Kevin, that's a small market team, and they always find yeah. a way to get, uh, you know, low cost talent on the roster. Well, they got an MVP candidate on their team right now, and that Olson. Yeah, well, that Starling market doesn't matter because of Otani, but yeah. I'm just saying, like, in a, in a typical year, they have they have an MVP on their team. Yeah, and that's no. another guy that they developed who's cheap. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it goes along with exactly what we're saying. Absolutely, I'm not just talking about Oakland. That Starling Marte trade is looking yes. pretty darn uh, pretty darn good for them. He, he ends up on the Phillies anytime you play him. I'll be the show. He's a Philly. Yes, um, I believe he has stolen twenty bases you in the that? NL yeah. and the AL, which yeah. is I'm like brother. It's August. He's yep. forty steals. Um, he's a real throwback of a player. He's um, he's a guy that would have that would have also been good twenty five years ago. You know. He would have fit into that game too because it was it's a different game today. But he he yeah. was fit. He is he's a very fun player to watch. Um, all right, Kevin. Last point. 
um, you know, we're kind of spent a lot of time talking about the development, kind of, you know, bringing up young talent up through the roster, which is a little bit funny because the Phillies are in a playoff race, but, you know, we'll, we, we don't want to jump on that too quickly. Uh, Bryson Stott, Kevin, and this is, this is very interesting because I believe on our last podcast, it might have been two podcasts ago, you threw out the idea of Bryson Stott playing third base for the Phillies. And I kind of said, well, he's never, he's never played third base before. Kevin, they're, they're playing him at third base right now. He's, he's been playing third base uh, down in uh, Reading. What, what do you make of that? Well, my whole point in it was when I said it is, if you can play shortstop, you typically can play third base. Because shortstop's a much harder position to play. Um, I think I make of it of they don't – Bohm's not the answer long term. I mean, who else do they have at third base in the system? And that's a position they need to address because he had a big triple last night. Ronald Therese is not the answer at third base. Um, in a in an ideal world, he's back in his bench role next season with the Phillies. Uh, he's not going to be playing every day like he is now because he's been getting exposed a bit. Um, I think they're just trying to see, all right, um, Bryson Stott, he was just a top 100 project prospect before the draft. So, <clears throat> excuse me, before the draft, he was a top 100 prospect. So he fell out of it when they had the newer prospects. But he's right there. He's a fringe top 100 prospect. So he's one of the one of the better prospects in all of baseball. They're just trying to see, you know, what they can do with him. Uh, there's been a lot of question if he's going to stick it short. He seems to have some pop to his bat. You know, if he can play third base. You know, maybe maybe he's the guy that's there next year for them. Um, it's just interesting. I read it more into um, they know that Alec Bohm is not going to stick. Although, did you see Dombrowski mention about Bohm? It's not his glove that he's not here. They're trying to get him to hit more. But Dombrowski basically said, we don't believe that his glove is holding him out of the major leagues. So that was kind of an interesting quote, especially because you're playing Stott at third. Something you had mentioned, he'd only had 24 career innings at third base before they started this experiment. So I don't really know how much to read into that, but hey, man, if Stock can play third, if he can play second, if he can play short, um, the more versatility he, ha- he has, the better, in my opinion. So um, yeah, maybe it'll work out. Maybe he'll be playing third base for the Phillies for the next couple of years. Yeah, and, and we've talked about it before with Stott. Um, Feels like they got to make a decision on his future. Yes. Kevin, to me, he looks ready. I know he's only in Double A, but if you can hit in Double A, you can hit in Triple A. Like there's not there's not a huge jump in uh, ability there. Um, I think sometimes Triple A tends to be a little bit worse um, in terms of just the amount of prospects, high level prospects. A lot of guys who are like 27, 28. Yeah, like I don't. Yeah. Personally, I don't need to see Stott play a whole year in AAA. Um, he's actually on the older side. I would he think ready. his ETA is next year. Uh, he might not start in Philly, but I would think he'll be up next season at some point. I, don't th- I would be shocked. Something would have to go wrong if he played another whole season in the minors. I agree. Um, and like I said, the, the the power is what really excites me because he's he's been hitting some tanks down in Double A. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm I'm very curious if they're looking at Stott as you know initially we had talked about him being a starting middle infielder, which kind of made things dicey with Gene and Didi Gregorius under contract. Um, you know we we expect them to look to offload Didi, but there's no guarantee that happens. Um, but if if they're attacking Stott as a, as a third baseman. Kevin, I wouldn't mind him being the Phillies' opening day third baseman next year if he has a good spring. No, he's a big dude too. He's six foot three. So I mean, mm-hmm. 
like he has the size to play third base. Um, I think the biggest thing I would want to see is offensively. I per- I personally believe third base needs to be more of a power position for you. I would like to see a guy who can hit 20-plus homers there. So um, that appears to be something he might be able to do at the big league level. So uh, I'm all for it, man. And like I said, you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I mean, you're not – it's not going to be detrimental to Bryson Stott's development to try him out at third base. If anything – like I mentioned, it gives you another avenue to get into the big leagues. I'm sure he's like, I'll do whatever it takes. You know, I, I want to get to the show, so I'll do whatever it takes to get there. So, um, yeah, uh, we'll see how it works out, you know. Yeah, and I, I think this is the right time to do it. Um, you know, you, you train them up on the position of the minor leagues where the games don't matter. Nobody cares. I, I would have hated to see them get him to the MLB after playing second base or shortstop his entire life and then telling him, Hey bud, you're going to switch to third. Because I think we've seen that before uh, with Mr. Scott Kingery. Sometimes it doesn't work. Um, So I'm a fan of them attacking this now in August when these games don't matter down in double a. Yeah. And you mentioned he's going to be 24. So, I mean, because in baseball guys come up later all the time, but. He's getting to where to the point where it's like, all right, let's see what he's got, you know, um, because he's been a productive minor leaguer. So um, the future appears to be bright. And, you know, like we we have all these conversations about trading these guys and then the trade deadline comes and goes and you're like, kind of glad we didn't make that move or we didn't make that move. Uh, like you mentioned, Rodriguez, who's been good in Atlanta. But then you look and you're like, OK, but we it sucks we didn't get him, but we still have this 22 year old catcher who looks good, you know. So sometimes the best move you make is the one you don't make. I would I would agree with that uh, with that statement. Kevin kind of kind of put a bow tie on the episode because per usual we, we ran a little bit late here. Um, a lot to talk about. It's exciting exciting uh, baseball being played. Kevin, they got Matt Moore pitching a little bit later tonight against Patrick Corbin. Essentially the same player. Uh, they both yeah, have ERAs. Sign him, dude. Can you imagine if they had signed Patrick Corbin? Oh, what a mess. Um, <laughs> You got People you got Nola. That. Yeah, uh, dodged a bullet. You got Nola going Wednesday uh, against Espino. Nola's been better recently. Got tagged a little bit in his uh, recent Diamondback start, but he, he's still showing flashes of a Nola who I think can help them contribute here and uh, you know help them win baseball games here in September. Kevin, I, I think they got a sweep. They got it. You got a sweep, dude. They're trying to make up three and a half games in thirty, like. Like I mentioned to you the other day, the one game they won, they didn't pick up any ground, which is like they great that they won, but in reality, like they just all that happened is they lost the day to gain ground. So like any day that they win and Atlanta loses, like, you know, it's cool. It's always great to win. But they need help, man. So like I think it's big to get into that final weekend with Atlanta and be, you know, a game or two out to where they have a chance. I think that would be, you know, big. We'll see what happens, you know. Uh, yeah, who knows, dude? We could wake up Thursday morning and they could be a game and a half out because Atlanta's out in L.A. So mm-hmm. um, we'll just go one day at a time here. You know, one and, day and at a time. You mentioned um, the season's winding down. I do just want to say as the clock or the calendar begins to flip to September, I'm going to be really sad when the season's over. It's been a fun year. Um, but, you know, just in terms of the, the pod itself, 
we're going to have a lot of stuff in the off season for everyone. So um, just because the season ends, uh, that doesn't mean the pod's going to be over. You know, we're still going to be pumping out content. So um, I just want people to enjoy this last month is basically what I'm getting at because for, you know, it, they're going to be over. It's going to be cold out. Um, maybe not for you, David in Texas, but it's going to be cold. Um, and, and, you know, we're going to be waiting around until spring training. So, you know, as frustrating as they are, let's try to enjoy this this last month of September, and hopefully there's more baseball to be played. Yeah, I reiterate everything Kev just said. You know, we appreciate all the support throughout the season. Um, you know, we got a lot more coming. We're not going away in the off season. We don't take any breaks. We're jumping in, whether they're in the postseason or out of the postseason, we're jumping right in. We already got a fun first big off season episode planned where we're going to do some, uh, you know, free agency simulation. Um, and then, you know, kind of just looking at the team's options. So we're not going anywhere. Uh, we're obviously, we got a lot of exciting content coming this next month where the Phillies are in a playoff race. Yeah. I'm hoping, um, about 30 days from now, we're, we're getting ourselves prepared for Philly's first playoff game in a decade. So <laughs> fingers uh, crossed. It's crazy that we're potentially that close to it happening. You know, we just, you know, we got to keep winning ball games and we need help. Definitely need help. Good news is Walker Bueller's on the mound tonight. He's uh he's yeah. pretty good at the whole baseball thing. So good news in general that they're just playing the Dodgers. Yeah, Dodgers <laughs> as, as hot as hot as the Braves have been. The it, Dodgers are scolding hot. Well, yeah. the, Do- the Dodgers are just on a different level. They they need their own league. I do want to look. We're running really long here. I, I just real quick. It's very possible. It's very possible that the Phillies and the San Francisco Giants could play in the National League Wild Card game, David. I'm just saying. I want it to happen. Very, very possible that that happens. I want it to happen because I think the Phillies can win that baseball game. It's, as crazy as it sounds, oh, I think they can. Oh, man. Gabe and Girardi. Oh, man. It's, <laughs> it's so possible that that happens, David. Um, I'm just saying. <laughs> well, a lot of bait. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll start talking hypotheticals in a few weeks. Um, yeah. With that said, everyone, again, thanks. Thank you if you hung with us this long. I know we're, we're well over 40 minutes at this point. Um, make sure you're checking us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, wherever you get your podcasts. We're on YouTube as well. Again, really do check out our YouTube. We have standing stats, highlights flashing up on the screen. Uh, check us out on Twitter, Facebook, uh, our personal Twitter accounts as well. Every single one of those links will be down in the description below. With that said, we are the Bullpen Blues Podcast. We will talk to you on a couple of days. Go Phils.